0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Green Grass and White Bases podcast. Fired up to be on location here at the Baseball Warehouse with North Brunswick alum and now Goldie Beacom outfielder, Chich Petrillo. So growing up in North Brunswick, I was always in the same grade as Tyler, Chich's older brother. Chich always played on the same little league team with my younger brother, Danny. So we've known each other a while. Growing up through the same town programs, through the same little league programs, through the warehouse, everything, uh, everything's everything been parallel there for a while, except our age. Yeah. <laughs> so excited to have you on the pod here today, and uh, we'll get into some intro stuff, but the first thing I want to lead off with, May 30th, 2016. I'm a senior in high school. I'm on the mound. You're playing center field. We're at South Brunswick in the state semifinal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either their four or five hitter comes up. I remember dropping a changeup at his ankle. Ball goes, ball goes up. Next thing I know, the umpire's calling it a home run. Ton of controversy. You were in center field. That ball was right on you. Was it a homer?
1: Absolutely not. Um, to this day, I'll say it is a ground rule double. Yeah. I watched it bounce over the fence.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just remember being on the mound and trying to be even keel. I just remember that third base coach from South Brunswick running on the field, calling it a homer, and then that young umpire putting his tail between his legs and being like, oh, coach, you must be right home Mm -hmm. run that home field advantage yeah Yeah. so i mean the portable fence the huge outfield in the background and it must have been a soccer field that they just you know changed into a baseball field with that with that home depot fence so (laughs) tough break to put an end to my high school career but it must have lit lit a fire underneath you for the rest of your career going forward with that with that nice core of young guys Mm -hmm. that we had going on back then so Mm -hmm. just talk about that a little bit i mean the first note i have is that you're a hundred hit guy in high school (laughs) and um I know we, we've we all seen that video around here you dropping a bomb over the left field <laughs> fence at north brunswick to, to get that hundredth hit and get the triple digits so just talk a little bit about your high school career and what it was like growing up in north brunswick having a couple different head coaches there and then coming up through this warehouse organization
1: yeah uh starting off with my freshman year to this day i still say it's my favorite year of baseball of all time just getting uh getting that opportunity to play with my brother play with you play with all these guys that i always looked up to growing up it was a very cool experience and we faced a lot of adversity that year, and that was probably my first time as a grown athlete where I had to kind of dig in and then kind of get that competitive gear going in full force. Especially that South Brunswick game because we we were riding into that game really high. We had that two game win streak in the state, yeah. in the state playoffs, and uh, that kind of that kind of shot us in the foot. And when we didn't do anything wrong, you know, right. it, it, things were going our way, and that one time things didn't go our way, we were kind of like. What do we do now? Right. So that was kind of the first, the first setting stone of what to do when that situation happens again. And going back into the whole North Brunswick baseball warehouse thing, North Brunswick is my whole leeway into sports. Like my friends that I have growing up still play baseball to this day. You, your brother, um, Mike Dempsey, all those guys, yeah. My brother. It was just that that whole thing kind of taught me. How to be mature off the field but also when i learned to play with you guys it taught me a lot of things going on into the world world of baseball so that was really cool the whole growing up with your friends and then playing with them after it was just a dream come true basically
0: yeah i mean it's awesome because i know from from my perspective it was always like looking at guys like you or guys like danny my younger brother where it was like okay like we have to kind of set the tone for these guys so it's cool that it's cool to hear even all these years later it's cool to hear that like you guys that relationship was working both ways where mm-hmm. it was like, you guys wanted to make sure you could hold your own up with us. And mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure we were setting the right example mm-hmm. for you guys. So it's cool to see that that worked both ways. And then go, coming back to like the baseball warehouse. So obviously we're, we're here in the facility <laughs> and we're just talking about back there in the batting cages, how much this place has grown. Oh Even it's since, I mean, I've been crazy. out of high school a lot longer than you, but mm-hmm. talk about, cause I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you were on the first summer team that the warehouse had, right?
1: yeah i think so yeah, yeah. back in the day mm-hmm. whatever
0: it was seven eight years mm-hmm. now so talk about talk about the guys on those team i know danny was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. told some awesome stories about because that team you guys had was electric and you guys oh, won yeah. you guys won a ton of baseball yeah. games so talk about what this facility has offered for you and what playing on that team and getting those roots from a travel side of the game has done for your career
1: I and mean, baseball warehouse taught me everything about friendship and and trusting you in with your friends and, and learning how to get that grind in with your friends at the same time. I, I didn't realize it until a couple of days ago that we were the first summer team here. And for it to be that way, we had a lot of good kids on that team. There's a, like, I don't think maybe two or three kids on that team ended up going their own separate ways and not playing college baseball. And in that sense, the the group that we had, it was electric on and off the field. I mean, I could give you all the hotel stories, you know, going to Boston, going to Maryland and sitting around until the crack of dawn playing cards all night with all these different kids jumping off beds, breaking beds, all that. <laughs> but the warehouse taught me a lot of how to be nice to to people as well as get on them when when things get tough and that you don't really get a lot when it comes to baseball academies and baseball learning facilities and the warehouse just kind of taught me how to be a family as well as compete with each other and go one-on-one with one another.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think the cool thing for me, now that I get to see it more close up from a coaching side instead of just how it relates to me as a player, has been to see how, like you're saying about how it becomes a family, like Mm -hmm. we're around each other here where we have practices a couple times a week. I don't think most travel facilities do that. Mm -hmm. We go and play all these tournaments, sure, all these teams do that, but we end up finding places to travel all around the country where Mm -hmm. we can go out and really get in that tight knit environment where you're spending a week with your boys all in the same place. And as much as you get to hang out with each other, you got to go ball out once you get on the field Mm -hmm. too. And then now we have lessons. We have the lifting program where our guys are around each other all the time and creating that family is something that's really important. Creating that atmosphere where winning Mm -hmm. stays at the forefront. That's the goal. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the goal that everybody's after. I think, like you're saying in a, in a travel baseball environment these days, right? I'm sure you still look back at these high school guys and see how that whole dynamic works. Like a lot of it comes down to where am I ranked? What are my metrics? How am I doing in showcases? Mm -hmm. So what kind of value were you able to put into this culture that we have here where winning has to be the most important thing and speak a little bit to how that'll relate to individual success, right? We're not going to win if our guys don't, go ball out and make sure their numbers are good but Mm -hmm. also if we're only worried about ourselves especially in a game like baseball that's tough to do so speak on how that culture has kind of led you in and pushed you to the rest of your career
1: yeah the whole the whole family culture of the baseball warehouse is kind of what got me into just focusing in on myself in the later on years like the college years and kind of honing in on what i really want to do um when it comes to being around those guys all the time, every day, 24-7, you start to get a good bond with them and start to understand how they work and how they were, and they know how you work. So with that comes when you see others and your in your family in adversity, you know how to calm them down, you know how to control them, you know what fires them up, you know what gets them going. So with all those years here, I, I've lifted with the kids I, I played with, so I know how they know how... To fire me up so now I know by myself that that gets me going with all that like I've I've had a thousand outfielders and infielders teach me so much about the game itself that I wouldn't have understood alone if I did it on my own right uh uh, shout out to Andrew Tan uh, Binghamton (laughs) baseball player he is probably the smartest baseball player I've ever met and I've known him my whole life and without him I haven't I wouldn't have had this great baseball IQ that I have now and with our chance to be at the baseball warehouse it taught us how to work hard have fun and succeed individually alone and then come back and celebrate with each other right here absolutely yeah yeah. i reached out to andrew
0: tan recently so we're hoping to have him on the show in a couple weeks here once he finishes up with his finals up there yeah
1: it's a far drive (laughs) yeah it's
0: a long way home but we're excited to we're excited to get him on here in a little while uh, whenever he can jump on with us but i think the point you're making doesn't just apply to the baseball warehouse. I think it applies to more baseball in general, as much yeah. as it's awesome that we get to reap the benefits of having such a culture here in mm-hmm. our program. I think what you're saying about how you translate individual success into team success. And like, that's the, that's the kind of guy I've always known you to be on the field, even as we're talking earlier about how you are, that younger guy in our eyes, if you're talking from my perspective or from Ty's perspective, like Mm -hmm. you were always the guy with the, with the good personality, you brought good energy into the dugout and you found your way to be a leader. So I think that's something that without a good culture centered around like being a good teammate and centered around finding a way to win ball games, that's Mm -hmm. something that's tough to develop, even though you, you kind of had that naturally. Mm -hmm. That's something that gets difficult to develop and difficult to place on or apply to the rest of your game. As you continue to get older and you move outside the confines or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. similar team or same high school program that you've been with your entire life growing up. Mm -hmm. So going from that vein, like I'm interested in your, in the X's and O's mentality of your game. So, you know, we haven't talked a ton about outfield Mm
1: -hmm. on the show yet. And that's Mm -hmm. where you hold it down, right? Even from
0: when you're 13 years old, starting on the varsity team in center field for us at North Brunswick. And then now you've been through the gamut of college baseball. You've been on a couple of different levels. You've bounced back from some adversity. So Mm -hmm just X's and O's wise to kind of get our feet wet into this subject. Like what do you think has helped you succeed defensively? And then at the plate, how do you use those skills on offense to hold down that leadoff spot, be the guy that's setting the table and stealing bases like X's and O's wise, mentally, physically, what's your approach to the
1: game? I mean, if you played with me, I think I've said it a thousand times throughout every season that speed kills. Um, I'm fast. I've been blessed with that opportunity to be fast. So when it comes to defensively, um, it's a very reactive position I put myself in in the outfield. I kind of put myself in like a a goalie in in soccer mentality where they're uh they're saving a penalty kick. You ever seen them? They're they're side they're, side, they're shoveling back and forth, and once the ball is kicked, they jump. Right. And that jump is where they're reacting and guessing to where they have to die for and be their most athletic. And in baseball, I think of it the same way. Whenever I see my pitcher get set, I'm um, Moving my feet, getting the blood flowing, getting ready for whatever that's coming out in the outfield. And once that pitch is thrown, I'm jumping and and getting that 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 boost of energy, ready for whatever to come. And yeah, I I trained with my dad for years on running routes and being able to play football. I've been able to learn how to how to catch up to people really quickly on an angle. So catching fly balls was kind of easy going into it, but learning how to react and jump as I'm playing the game. So a lot that speed itself is my whole game. And without uh, outfield is way more important to me than hitting, in my opinion, just because I get the chance to just be athletic and dive around and go crazy out there. And when I learn that I'm that type of person, that energetic, go get it type of guy that I put that right into my, my offense that I don't need to hit home runs. I don't need to go and hit these crazy bombs and, and, pimp a home run. Like I wanna hit a line drive over this over the pitcher's head and get on first base and get right into my home, which is base running. I love to steal bags and get on base and try to get these guys RBI chances, you know? Right. So speed is my whole game plan. I I don't care about anything else. I care about what goes on and how fast I could do things and how efficiently I can go with my speed.
0: Right. And I think the first thing that stands out is like how you've been able to kind of hone in on your craft and then figure out how that's going to provide an advantage to you. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that I've always struggled with, because when I was still hitting, my game was more like gaps. And I was always that bigger guy that played Mm -hmm. first base that my job was to get the RBI. So Mm -hmm. that's always a mindset in baseball that I've had trouble wrapping my head around. But just to hear you put it so simply, it makes a ton of sense thinking Mm -hmm. about it now where it's like, listen, my job is to get on base and wreak havoc. Mm -hmm. and from a pitcher's perspective, like I did in college, like those were the toughest guys. Like those were the toughest outs to get Mm -hmm. when there was guys like you on the base pads, especially as a lefty staring them down at first base where you're confident enough to hop back and forth and put the pressure on Mm -hmm. me. And then not only do I have to hold you on, I have to try to find a way to attack your teammate. That's up at the plate now. So I, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I was never able to put (laughs) that math together, but the way you explain it so simply just makes a ton of sense where I'm going to, I'm going to get on, I'm going to find a way to create havoc Mm -hmm. and, I don't have to go put a ball in the gap and get on third base to do that. I can be just as dangerous when I'm sitting on first. So that's awesome. I heard you talk about your dad there quickly. And I want to, I want to get to that point because your dad was, was always our little league coach growing up and you know, being a guy Rowan is where he played his Mm -hmm. college baseball, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, high level baseball for decades now there. So Mm -hmm. there was no doubt that Dean knew exactly what he was doing (laughs) on the baseball field. So I know your family and my family have been tight for a while now just because, Your dad is a huge baseball guy. My dad's a huge baseball guy. Our moms are both really into it. And we both had brothers that played. So talk about the impact that your family has had on you and touch on a little bit of that perspective of having your dad as a coach. Going,
1: Yeah, well, little do people know that my dad is was my brother's coach because I wouldn't let my dad be my coach in travel baseball. Well, you got to expand on that a little bit. So me and my dad are very similar. We're very we know what we want and we're not going to let anyone else change that. So growing up, we, he was my coach at one point. He was my travel assistant coach with uh, John Drury. After uh, every game, he would try and help me out and try to teach me things. And it ended up turning into complete arguments, me screaming at him, him screaming <laughs> back, and it would never click. We would never get that coach player. It would always be father-son arguments. Yep. So he ended up saying, all right, I'm done with that. I'm not coaching you. And whenever you want to be coached by me, call me, kind right. of thing. Yeah. So... I ended up watching him all these years coaching you, coaching my brother, all that. And I realized that I'm missing out on so much knowledge that I don't, I don't, I have so much to grow from this man that I'm just kind of pushing him away. So as I got a little older, like he still wasn't my coach, but I was always being able to get home and say, Did I do that right? Did I, did I swing that correctly? Did my swing look good? And he would give me the brutally honest answer. And that's what I needed as a player because I've always had these guys who kind of softened it up soften up my my faults right and he was the kind of guy to say no you're you're wrong and <laughs> you didn't do something right there and with that that taught me a lot of being coachable and especially in the warehouse as well that yeah. that brought me into being with coach joe augustine and how to be coachable with him and all that um family wise too my brother he that's my role model from day one. I, I swing just like him, and I've always wanted to swing just like him because he had that cool little thing cool little. Yeah, thing he with had some hands. rhythm going He there. had a little yeah. different thing to it, and I always liked that. I was like, why, why is he doing that? But then I ended up doing it myself naturally because I've always just watched him my whole life. Even out of baseball, uh, all of his friends, I always hung out with his friends every time they were there. So he taught me a lot about maturity and friendship and, and love in general. So I give a lot to my ability and me still playing baseball because of him. And my mom, that obviously baseball moms, we know that no those are our number one supporters. Those are our biggest fans from from day one. You know, they always want to see you succeed, no matter what. Even if you're doing the best, they want to make sure that you're even doing better. Yeah, and that's that's our moms to a T. You know, they they just care so much, and they just want to see you happy, and that's what makes them happy. And if right. baseball is what's making them happy, baseball is making them happy too. <laughs> yeah, I mean life
0: life feels easier when when your mom wants to come to your games, mm-hmm. you don't have to like, it's not like mom, here's what happened today. And I have to take you through it. Like I I know me and Danny talk all the time about how our mom would ask us how we did. And it would be like, Oh, you know, we did okay today. And she'd be like, well, I was at the game yeah. and I'm not sure if that's the case. So <laughs> Are <you> it's, sure? <laughs> it's a little, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword there where it's nice yeah. to have, have a mom that's into it and she understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's like she holds you accountable the same way your cops yeah, or exactly. your teammates yeah. might. So it's interesting there. Going back to your team with, that's coached by John Drury, I mean, local legend, New Brunswick <laughs> K nine police officer, Absolutely. like, awesome figure in the North Brunswick community. But what I want to touch on there is you guys went out to Cooperstown, and you were number one in pool play through the first five days. Yeah. And then that last day, I think you finished pool play at, like, sixth yeah. out of 104 teams that are there. Just a local town team from North Brunswick when there's teams that are flying guys in from all over the country, even thought, at right? 12, 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Being a fan, Mm -hmm. just watching you guys. I know a bunch of guys from my team came up and made the trip to Cooperstown Mm -hmm. to watch you guys because we knew how good you could be. (laughs) And then you were like, we're even better than that. Like, don't Mm -hmm. worry about it. We got you guys covered. So talk about that team. Talk about, I know we've talked a lot about our roots so far today, but talk a little bit about like, Growing up in that environment where you guys were legit and just what it meant to you to to get to that level on like a, a national type of stage at that age and and show out the way you did. Yeah, I mean,
1: we got lucky enough to play with each other since we were eight, nine years old. So that that family aspect of the game clicked really well. But that Cooperstown run, that energy that we have, even had, we weren't been so good if it wasn't for you and all them doing that roll call before every game. <laughs> that was awesome. Like that that whole energy, that vibe just kind of made us feel like okay we're playing in the world series right now it's time to go all out and it clicked and it was easy with us we had that good group but we had a lot of good big guys too who could hit some bombs including your brother so it was kind of easy in that sense but yeah we were always just able to click it goes right back to that whole family aspect that we were just always with each other constantly no matter what every day of the week even in the winter times we're always playing football in the snow with each other it was just that that whole family aspect and we were just Blessed with the ability to play baseball. So it just kind of rode into one all, all in one. And the Cooperstown run, it was just we were just on cloud nine that whole week. It was just the coolest experience of our lives. We were just having great times in the barracks, you know. And it, it was unforgettable just hearing our name screen, Judge Potrilla as we're running <laughs> on the field like that. You don't get that at the age of twelve. Yeah. So the, the whole the whole energy was brought to us because of the fans. Yeah. That's why we were so successful in that.
0: It's funny the things you remember because I, I, like, if you had asked me about that year, that was, that would not have even been on my radar, but it brings a smile to my face thinking back on it. Yeah. Now. And it was, it was awesome to, because that's, that type of stuff doesn't happen if you don't succeed on the field. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, as much as, that might have propelled you guys. Like, it's not, you know, we're listen, we're older brothers. So as much as we love you guys, we're going to pick on you a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you guys were getting beat up on, I think that roll call stuff would have stopped too. So, I mean, awesome awesome to think back on it, but also awesome to to think back on how successful you guys could be at that level. And I know Mm -hmm. the Cooperstown experience is awesome. We talk about the family aspect. Mm -hmm. My team went out there when we were 12, and I think we went 500 on the week. And it's some of the best memories of my life, even still. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that that's half my life ago now. But anyway, like getting in that barracks, <laughs> that <laughs> right, quickly shift from that. Um, getting in that barracks environment where it's like you know, it's not like you guys are all in the same hotel. You guys are all in the same room. You're just in like a like a trailer. Yeah, and you're sleeping in bunk beds, and you're getting up in the morning and playing wiffle ball, going to breakfast, going to the cage, playing a double header, and then rinse and repeat for a week. So it was awesome, and to see, I mean, to think back on your team, like. You're a college baseball player. Danny's a college baseball player. Alex Antigua is playing college baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, Felix Felix Diaz Diaz playing college baseball. Kelson Hobson's a Marine, right? Aiden Drury is working with Barstool Sports. Mm -hmm. So the impact that baseball and sports in general can have on bringing guys from a community together Mm -hmm. and creating that relationship, just as cliche as it might sound to say, like. There's real life examples of how this, this kind of stuff oh, yeah. that we're into transcends sports. And it's mm-hmm. bigger than just mm-hmm. getting on the field and hitting home oh, yeah. runs or stealing bases. It comes down to life and how, yeah. that, how that propels out and kind of leads us into whatever comes next after that. Exactly. So that's an awesome environment to see. So speaking of that environment, right? I know a couple of things about us growing up was we always were going to flow.
1: Oh yeah. We were always rocking the startups. Huge
0: baseball swag guy. So talk about growing up where, you know, you're in high school and there's kind of no rules and you can do whatever you want when it comes to growing your hair and wearing whatever you want on the field. And then now I'm out of the game for a couple of years now. So I might be missing some of the new school stuff yeah. that you guys are doing now. So touch on some of that OG stuff back from when I was playing and how, how fun that was to get into. And then nowadays, like maybe some of the stuff I'm missing that you guys are doing now. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean the flow, that's never going to change. I mean, we, I, uh, the, for, the flow started with hockey, right? That was a, like, I, know, I, I think I it, yeah. Remember. they call it the lettuce on yeah, the was, ice. Yeah, but on, yeah, the, yeah, on the yeah. baseball field, it's always the flow. It's always a flow. Yeah. I, I saw it with, with a bunch of NHL players and, uh, that kind of caught my eye, like, maybe I can grow my hair like that. And then it started getting curly in the back. I was like, ooh, this is looking really nice. I'm not <laughs> cutting this. <laughs> and then it was me and you just going back and forth with it, being the Flow Bros in North Brunswick. You know? Yes, That sir. was sick. And and you were the one that put me on the stirrups, too. I saw the look on it. I was like, wow, that's, like, old school, but also it's updated now because no one's been wearing it. And I was like, I did not want to wear those, too. And then once I started putting them on, like, we got John Jury saying, all right, we got the whole team wearing stirrups now. And we're getting a whole North Brunswick wave. So we kind of sparked that. Shout out to you on that one. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the baseball swag, I've always wanted to be different. I've always wanted to wear the things that some people may not wear, not trying to show out as different as other people. Right. It's just like my preference. Even when I'm out walking around the streets, I just like to wear the different shoes that people don't wear, you know, different colors, all that. So now... Uh, this this upcoming season, I'm wearing Jordan uh, Jordan six high top cleats. Love it. Yeah, love you it. You know, just being different. Like they're they're football cleats, but they're comfortable in my feet, and I, that's I what They look cool. You know, yeah. being comfortable is all that matters. You know, you play good, look good. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that's something I'm glad you brought that up because that was the first point that
0: came to my head. I know I would always hear like you don't have to be flashy to play good, but it was like, listen. I want to rock something different. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to give me a little bit of a mental edge to say, I look sick today. Yeah. Then if if anything that's going to help propel my game Mm -hmm. and then like, look good, play good. There's no doubt. Like it it translates. Right. And I even, I've even heard that in the classroom. I heard early on in my college career, one of my professors said, dress well, test well i was like perfect right so you get up for your exam and instead of rolling out of bed and throwing on your sweatpants and a hoodie you put on some khakis and a polo yeah next thing you know i mean who knows if it really translates but if your mindset says i'm going to go to a couple points higher on this Mm -hmm. exam because Mm -hmm. i dress nice for class Mm -hmm. well if i can throw my stirrups on and have sick hair on the baseball field if that helps me a little bit as far as mental edge then it's worth a shot, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I've seen that a little bit these days where they have those services now where you can, like, ship your cleats out and just put spikes on any shoes yeah, you want. I have seen that, too. I'm so upset that I missed the train <laughs> on that. Like, I got <laughs> out of the game just before yeah. that took off. Mm-hmm. That
1: I mean, that would have been a game changer. Yeah. I heard they're expensive, though. I've never really looked into it, but I heard that if you were to, like, custom a shoe and turn it into a cleat, it's, it's a little pricey. You know what?
0: I heard now recently that there's a company where you send them whatever shoes you have. And they'll send you back just ziplocs with spikes that you just screw into your shoe.
1: Wow! So that
0: might be the little more cost-effective option if you're looking wow. to get creative with it. That's I know official. I know Hondo, who we just had on the podcast. The episode dropped yesterday. Oh, yeah. Shout out Hondo. Um, he does that with all his golf spikes. Oh, so he orders yeah. like Jordans online on the sneakers app, mm-hmm. and then he gets the he gets the cleats and he just screws them in. So he's you know again if if yeah. looking good takes a couple strokes off mm-hmm. your golf game. Looking good puts a couple more points on your exam. Mm-hmm. Who's to say it won't help you out mm-hmm. on the baseball field? Exactly, that stuff's good. I remember with the stirrups too, man. I I always wanted to wear them for like a year before I started. I wanted to wear them, and I told my dad he had to order them for me, being the equipment guy. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, mm-hmm. Dad, I need these. I need like a birthday, <laughs> Christmas, Easter, like holidays. Anytime. I was like, I Need them. <laughs> just anytime you have an opportunity, just just put them under the yeah. tree or whatever. Yeah. But. The issue was always that he's working at Rutgers. Everything Mm -hmm. comes in red Mm -hmm. and black. We're blue blue and yellow (laughs) at North Brunswick. So I ended up getting blue baseball socks from the Models back in the day Mm -hmm. and just – drawing an outline and cutting them Pitting out them so like every week i was going to modell's because as soon as they went through the wash they're getting, they're getting frayed and, out yeah and again it would work against me where i was like last week i was looking good but this week i got frayed stirrups on so i got to go get some fresh ones and, of more. Of socks. and <laughs> then finally after like six weeks or so of me going to modell's and dropping 10 bucks on socks i finally got some legit blue ones uh, and so it blew up from there. in a similar vein you are a guy that posts awesome music on your instagram story thank you you're welcome i mean thank you right so and those are the best people on social media where it's like share new music i know no matter who puts it up if i see a song on someone's instagram story i go to spotify i'd like it Mm -hmm. right away because it's like if you like this song enough to recommend it i gotta listen (laughs) our musical tastes are probably a little bit different But when it comes to a pregame playlist, like you got the kind of vibe that I like on a pregame playlist. So talk about your go-tos when it comes to getting your mind right to get into that game.
1: Oh man, I love music. I'm so glad you brought this up. (laughs) Um, When it it comes to that, I just love bass. I love anything with a nice, nice drum, drum to it, or even like a a horn. I love, I love trumpets to it, but with like a strong, hard beat. So I'll listen to you know, shout out Future. I uh, listen to Future. I love Old Gunna. Um, when it comes to like rock and roll, Led Zeppelin. I have I have Led Zeppelin tattooed on me. You know, that's that's my go-to for no matter what. Stairway to Heaven. That's the song you're putting on number one for that baseball playlist. There you go. But yeah, I think I think music does play a huge role in sports, but in baseball alone, because there's not much energy throughout the game provided with baseball that's kind of on your terms to to gain that energy and when i've grown up i've always realized that music is always that thing that just like i can't stop moving without this song in my head so whenever i go onto the bus before a game i'm playing the same song that i love to listen to on repeat and then once once i get off the bus i'm just skipping through songs and just loving to hear a beat and that that beat just stays in my head throughout the game, so that's keeping me bounce around with the beat and stay and stay motivated to play the game. That's a pretty long game. It's pretty hard to get yourself right. into continuously playing seven, eight, nine innings. You know, so music plays a huge role. And I uh, I put those songs on my uh, on my Instagram stories whenever I'm really feeling it. So if there's one posted on my story, it's because I am shaking my hair up and down and I'm going crazy for absolutely, it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah,
0: I remember because. When I first started coaching here, a big thing I always wanted to teach was, like, approach, especially at the plate during hitting lessons. And even, like, between pitches on the mound, I remember, like, when I was playing, I, like, I don't know if I really had an approach because, like, between pitches, whether it was at the plate or on the mound, it was whatever song played last before the game, Mm -hmm. I was just singing. Right. And it was, like, one of those things where, like, I guess if you want to get philosophical with it, it's like kind of hitting the reset button where it's, like, I'm not – gonna bog myself down and whatever's going on right mm-hmm. now okay it's oh two like i'm singing zach brown band yeah. or like yeah, yeah, Mill or yeah, whatever the yeah, last song yeah. happened uh-huh. to be that day mm-hmm. like i'm not like it's not superstitious where it was like okay i have to like sing the same lyrics to the same song every time yeah. it was just like, it's like i'm it's just therapeutical
1: exactly like, it calms you yeah yeah
0: and just to have like you're saying like i can stay moving around i can stay mm-hmm. loose if i got this song in my head so again it it, it might sound similar to like that you know look good feel good play good type of thing but oh, honestly yeah. like if we're talking about the mental edge there's any number of things that can do it for you and oh, i know yeah. now from the coaching side like that's something i've gotten away from because you can't tell a little kid hey start singing hard to and you're gonna it. hit a double yeah. right yeah. so yeah. It, it's difficult but i think as you mature in the game and like being able to connect how these things relate to each other is what becomes important because it's mm-hmm. different from guy to guy so like mm-hmm. i know there's some guys who especially in my college career like between pitches, they bounce a slider and they're MFing themselves in their glove. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't my style. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Cause I played with right. some great guys who yeah. needed to, you know, punch themselves in the face to mm-hmm. get them going and do what they had to do. But for me, it was always, instead of that adrenaline rush, it was more of like a, how do I take a deep breath here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, you know, as silly as it might sound, that's what kind of did it for me where it was like, I got this song in my head and it's mm-hmm. O2 and mm-hmm. I'm just going to sing along and I'll get in the box and then try me now.
1: Yeah, you know? exactly. So yeah.
0: taking that, competitive atmosphere and applying it and figuring out how to get over that hurdle there's no there's no real one cookie cutter answer no, to get no. over it and I never if, will be <laughs> right and if and listen if you got a, again going back to a similar vein if you got a good playlist and that's gonna that's gonna help you through then yeah, why on. not yeah. exactly yeah i know i'm glad you showed off your led zeppelin tattoo because i know you got chance the rapper oh, yeah. you got mac <laughs> miller so talk about lot. you know as long as we're talking about this pre-game playlist type of thing talk about talk about Get into yourself personally there like what what impact have has music
1: and that stuff had on you yeah um so i'll talk about the tattoos um chance the rapper i have the the three yep. on there I'm, I'm number three i've been number three my whole life but Ch- I, I always get tattoos that that represent who i am and what i've done in my past so when i think of this chance the rapper tattoo i think of the the album that he put out are my freshman year, your senior year with that. So that brings me into my freshman year mentality where you can be a kid, but now that you're back in real life, looking at this tattoo, you can still keep that mentality, but also be more mature with it. With uh, the Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin's got me through a lot of stuff mentally. It's always been like my go-to to like, if I'm having too much anxiety in me, if I'm overthinking everything and I can't really control a thought, I'll just shit shuffle on Led Zeppelin. And that's like, that's my deep breath that's my exhale when when i'm going through adversity so i'm always i'm always getting different style tattoos with them i love their 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 art covers you know all everything about led zeppelin has always just caught my eye um i got uh i have a joker tattoo like full portrait of of heath ledger's joker yeah. um i put that into my mentality i played football in high school i was a quarterback but i'm i'm short i'm short and skinny and Quarterbacks are very tall, and they gotta be big. And yeah. I ended up putting myself—I love The Dark Knight growing up. I love Heath Ledger, what he did to put himself in that role. The storyline behind his whole life is just so touching because of how hard he worked to get that role and all that. But that—I put myself in the mindset of the Joker to make myself go crazy. Like if if you're not not big enough to to hit with these other kids, you gotta just go crazy enough and turn on that energy circle and just go crazy. So a lot of the, a lot of the tattoos I have do have meaning, but when you look at them outside, they look dumb. Like they look like oh, I wouldn't a, little, say a, that. Yeah, a little different, a little like, who would get that if you were looking at it? Like I would never get that tattoo. I get what you mean, but yeah. by at the, at the same time,
0: right? Like you're able to sit here and explain that meaning. Like right. I know I, I was never a tattoo guy because mm-hmm. I, it was like way too much commitment for me. It was right. like, I'm going to put this on. And then a couple weeks later I'm going to be like, holy cow, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Right. But like, yeah, like somebody else that's looking at one of your Instagram pictures might be like, what's this kid doing? But you can you can sit here in this environment, right, with your yeah. cameras on mm-hmm. and you're mic'd up and say, listen, like this stuff has meaning to me. That's important. And mm-hmm. like nobody else is wearing your tattoo. Yeah, exactly. So like if, if that's exactly how I feel. if if that if it provides value to you or you can look back and say, listen, this is meaningful enough to me that I want to have it on my mm-hmm. body. Then yeah. More power to you. Exactly. I want to touch on the. The football thing you brought up. So I, I I know these days the way the game is trending, it's a lot more towards specialization. Yes. Kids are kids are focusing on one thing really early. And I think there can be some value in that. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think getting really good at one thing can be something that propels you to a lot of success in that industry. The flip side of that is putting all your eggs in one basket at a young age seems to be a tough proposition for mm-hmm. a lot of guys. So talk about I know I played basketball in high school. That was always my thing growing up. And I, you know, while Coach Joe's in the other room here my yeah. my favorite part of that was that he, i made a deal with him that i didn't have to come to the 6 a.m lifts on right. days where i had basketball games right. so it was a treat during the winter that a couple yeah. of days a week i didn't have to set that alarm yeah. for four thirty in the morning but talk about the value in being an athlete overall and then how that applies to baseball through your ability to succeed in mm-hmm. multiple sports while you're at the high school level
1: yeah if i didn't play more than one sport i wouldn't be as coachable as i am right now like if you're just playing with one sport, you're kind of just sticking to your own gut and you're not really expanding your opinions on how you're playing. When you when you're end up playing different sports throughout your, your life, you're getting different opinions on different sports and different genres of, of ability you can do in yourself. So that's giving you the idea that you're more athletic than you think you are and you're capable of doing so much more. So why not expand? Why not go out and play football and try soccer or try fencing, anything? It doesn't right. really matter. And that that teaches you that some coaches are going to have different styles. Some coaches are going to be a lot angrier. Some coaches are going to be a lot more calm than others, you know. And that taught me how to handle myself and handle myself mentally of what they're giving me in every sport like in football it's a lot more tough you're getting guys grabbing getting coaches grabbing your face mask hit button you telling you that you're you're nothing you're this you're that you're that just to get a fire under you but you're never going to get that in baseball because it's a totally different sport it's so much more like you got to take a deep breath you got to just relax so i've been able to learn all different types of mentalities and different feelings through playing different sports right like being being able to have variety in, in athleticism shows that you're able to have so many different opinions and in, in from others and take that into yourself and replicate it.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and I think I always think of it now from a like reflective lens, like trying to be like a talent evaluator and looking at younger guys mm-hmm. now of an athleticism standpoint, like you started off with. Mm-hmm. But two, you're, the point that I like that you made is it's a totally different mental environment too. Mm-hmm. Like I know similarly, Probably not. I don't know anything about football, at least (laughs) the inner workings of it. But like in a basketball mindset, like halftime conversations, pregame conversations were always like high volume, Mm -hmm. get in your grill, fire you up. up, And we're going to go run through kids when we're out Mm -hmm. on the court Mm -hmm. in football. I'm guessing it was kind of similar to that, maybe a little bit different, but (laughs) along similar lines so far as like baseball's not like that. No, like yeah, you yeah. don't that's see coaches giving hype speeches because he you, listen, you can't carry the hype through seven innings or nine innings, depending yeah. on what level mm-hmm. you're at. Mm-hmm. But I think the value can be. Listen, when it's my time to go, I have that football or that basketball mentality right. where it's like I'm ready to run through that brick wall. Mm-hmm. I know that's something that baseball coaches say a lot. Like we want guys that are ready to run through a wall, that drink from the fire hose, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. So being able to gain that mental edge from playing different sports and being in those different environments. But also the great point you made is how does that increase your athleticism? Exactly. That's something that now being a recruiter at the college level, like we're looking for athletes because we know if you're an offensive guy, listen, listen, pitchers are athletes and I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I agree on that.
1: As a a fielder, I agree that pitchers are certainly athletes. (laughs) I appreciate that. And
0: of course I'm very biased in that regard, but Mm -hmm. when it comes to offensive guys, like if you're a, if you're a guy like you that plays center field at the high school level or at the juco level and you're a superior athlete, like I know if I got to stick you at second base for a game, I can do that. I can put Mm -hmm. you at all three outfield positions and then at the plate, even, you know, sometimes you're going to run into one, but if you don't, you're going to go get on base and you're going to steal us a run. Right. So, you know, how can you benefit your athleticism from coming into a baseball facility and lifting and doing the strength and conditioning stuff? Certainly. But what can you add to the game by thinking of your other sport as part of that development process? Because I know, and maybe it was different for you, but I know for me in high school, like I was never going to be a college basketball player. I just thought basketball was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was going to go get more sprints (laughs) in on the basketball court than I ever would on the turf in the facility. So (laughs) like, in your brain how does that translate where it was like what was your what was your perspective about your future as a football player or in another sport and then how did that help you in a
1: baseball vein just when it comes to the like athleticism and development part right well going thinking about college and I can remember after my junior year of football that I wanted to play college and football I wanted to do baseball and football but I never really communicated with football coaches as much as i communicate with baseball coaches right because i thought that no one really want me as a quarterback i'm short. i'm not i'm athletic i would play receiver or running back and expand my offensive position in football but i wanted to stay at a quarterback position that's kind of hard to do with a guy my size so i just kind of figured like hey might as well put all this is a time to put all eggs in one basket like you said like how i've been able to expand in different sports it's time to kind of say hey maybe I can do this one sport alone because of all this knowledge I've gained through high school sports and all that. So that coming in, going into college kind of taught me, this is it. Like, you got you got one shot at this, and if you mess up, you mess up. Like, there's no going back. When it comes to high school athletics in general, uh, to each is their own. Like, if you want to play baseball, do that. Like, because you're going to buy, buy all in into that one sport, and you're going to grind if you're really wanting it. You're going to go and get it, you know. But with me it was always it was always getting to be multi-sport just to so i can learn different different ways of how my body works right like on a on a on a jump like a fly ball to left field it's a totally different movement with your legs than how it is if you're running down the sideline trying to beat people to score a touchdown you know and i i i picked that up quick at a young age where i like i wanted to just be like the most athletic kid i could be on any team right so going into high school being in high school i just that was my whole mission the whole time just learn as much to be as athletic as I possibly can be
0: yeah and it makes a lot of sense and I think there's a lot of value there because you look at like I know being a Mets fan like all year when I was watching a Mets game with a fan of another team it was Mm -hmm. always like how do you guys have Daniel Vogelbach in your lineup (laughs) right and I think that's a that's a message that for those of you who don't know Daniel Vogelbach is a cheeseburger away from 300 pounds (laughs) and he was batting in the cleanup spot for the Mets this year (laughs) yeah, <laughs> I mean the guy's a beast, he right? He is. He's and a very good baseball player. I think for people that are outsiders, that might not be the biggest baseball fans, like that's kind of their perspective. Where, mm-hmm. like, I heard one of my high school teachers said, "Baseball can't be considered a real sport because you could smoke a cigarette while you're playing." I was like, "Well, if that's your criteria, then we got to check a lot of things off the
1: list, and we have a lot of info to give to you." Yeah, like- <laughs> I mean that's a
0: really that's a really interesting, to put it nicely, way yeah. of viewing the game, right. but. I think people that are outsiders think like that's what a baseball player looks like. You don't have to be athletic. You Mm -hmm. just have to go at it for five seconds at a time and figure out how to trot your way around Mm -hmm. the bases. I think Daniel Vogelbach is an anomaly in that everybody's body type to succeed in the game is a little bit different. So if this guy like a Prince Fielder type, Like, the guy was a truck, Mm -hmm. but he'd put balls in the gap and be on third base. He hit bombs and was able to run
1: a little bit too. Exactly.
0: And, you know, Daniel Vogelbach was dealing with a little bit of a leg injury this year. So, later on in the season, us Mets fans were getting upset with him because he put the ball in the gap and he'd still be on first. But, nevertheless, like, that's a guy who, athleticism-wise, like, he's figured out the formula that gets him there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it relates back to your point where – you want to figure out a way to be the most athletic guy on the field. And for you playing football is doing that mm-hmm. for a guy like Daniel Vogelbach. He's going to, he's going to put the pounds on mass equals gas. Yeah. There's no doubt 100%. about it. And he's going to get in the weight room and he's going to get super strong and have this huge build mm-hmm. so that he can be and a guy be that, that has power. Yeah. yeah. And he can be a guy that surprises you with this speed and kind of mm-hmm. like a sleeper where, mm-hmm. you know, Playing in the outfield, you see a guy like that coming up, you're not thinking he's getting on third. Yeah. No and way. granted, he's not digging out a ton of triples, but if he puts one, you know, a couple hops in the gap, now he's on second base and yeah. you look up and you're like, holy crap, I missed it. Yeah. So I think that's where having that different perspective from different sports comes in, where it's like maybe Daniel Vogelbach has a little bit of a mindset of like a, maybe like a lineman. Yeah. Where everybody says that about NFL linemen, where these guys are huge, mm-hmm. but their footwork is insane. They're super athletic, athletic. They're people, 40 yeah. times they're nuts. Mm -hmm. Right. So how, you know, how can we find a way to be the most athletic in general, but then how can we find a way to be the most athletic and be the most successful in our personal frame of reference too? So I think you you say a lot of great things there when it Mm -hmm. comes to how to apply these different sports to when it comes time to make a decision on what we're going right. to do with our future, applying it to baseball. The next thing I want to touch on when it comes to getting back to, to the music and the tattoos and stuff is you're talking about how when, when stuff isn't going right, you can put that Led Zeppelin playlist on and hit shuffle. So I know watching you come out of high school, you went to Southern New Hampshire to play mm-hmm. stuff. Didn't work out there. You end up back at Middlesex on an awesome Middlesex County college baseball oh, yeah. team. And now you found your way back to Goldie Beacom, which uh, talking to you before the show, sounds like it's an awesome setup. You got there and you're in a good spot now. Absolutely. So pumped for you to hear that you're in a good place now and a place where you're going to be able to succeed. And And I mean it, man, like watching your journey and seeing how talented you've been. I'm glad you're at a place now where you can kind of put your head back to the grindstone and just get back to worrying about baseball. So there's a lot of stuff I want to touch on here. But first off, like from your perspective, just tell your story, man. Like what did that look like coming out of high school in your recruiting process through all the steps you've taken? What type of adversity have you faced? And then how have you ended up back here where you're at now?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a wild ride. Um, the, uh, my junior year, I, uh, I had a lot of good D3 offers for baseball. I had a lot of looks with, uh, in the NJAC, Jack, you know, um uh, I'm not going to name all them whatever. Um, and I, I felt myself wanting to more for myself. I always wanted to test myself when it came to baseball. I've always wanted to get myself in the highest level possible. So I made a bunch of emails to thousands of schools, D1, D2, D3. I think only one D1 school replied to me, a couple D2s and a bunch of the D3s that I've been in contact with that whole time, too. Um, I never really got the thing that I was expecting myself to get. And that taught me a lot. Just like, you're not always going to get what you want. You're not this big, great athlete that you think you are just because you're good in this one town alone, there's a bunch of other people like that. So I learned that pretty quickly just by recruitment stages. So I ended up coming to the warehouse and being on hitting in the cage and having good conversations with coach Hondo. He was nice enough to shoot them an email about me and tell them how I am as a player. And right off there, we had a summer tournament with the warehouse in Boston. So it was close. New Hampshire was like an hour drive from where we were to the school. So got on quick, had a good, quick connection with the coach. Awesome coach. Coach Loaz. was a great guy, knows his stuff. He's a, He's a grinder and he gets his kids in shape for sure. Um, loved the conversation, open-handed, committed there, loved everything about it. Going into college, I 100% wasn't ready to be a college student. I was very immature. I just wanted to do my own thing, stay in my room, play Xbox. You know, the new COD came out. I just wanted to sit and play, do that and go out with my friends and party on the weekends. And I never really took the, the, the academic part into my real lifestyle. I didn't do anything. I, I took five classes that fall semester at SNHU and passed two of them. And it was just that that alone kind of taught me that, okay, maybe I'm not ready for this. Maybe I do need to take that step back personally and and go into do a JUCO route because this isn't working. Plus, I had a lot of mental issues going on. I just, I wasn't happy with who I built myself up to be in that point in my life. And I wish that a lot of it would change so went home and for a winter break around the same time as now and i went to my parents and i was like i i i messed up big time my my grades aren't good i have a one three gpa after this fall semester i i want to come home and i don't feel i don't feel like i'm doing this right for myself so they were mad obviously as any parent would of course you right, know right but they they understood they they realized that i do need that time, and I do need that help, and I need that relaxation period. Um, Came home, uh, went to, came home after that first semester, that fall semester of 2019, and then went to Middlesex, and then COVID hit, so as bad as it is to say, I, in my personal life, COVID 2020, it was probably like the year that saved my life, because that kind of gave me time to can't tune everyone out because I had to quarantine by myself. So I would be sitting in my garage for that eight month span, just constantly growing as who I was mentally, who I was physically and what I really wanted in my life. And also being in Middlesex, shout out Middlesex college, cause coach Mooney, coach wines, all of them, they brought me in and really took me in to get my grades, right, get my classes in order and all that. So big ups to them, but, it, it took a while to get back to what I really wanted to do and what I really wanted to be, which was a baseball player. Because after when I got to Middlesex, I was like, this is it. i was going to get my associates and done with baseball over it. Like I'm going to go and work in back and cause I got a good, nice little setup there, you know, but I, uh, I had coach Mooney text me in, uh, uh, after my first year at Middlesex did pretty well, batted like 350 or whatever. I don't know. Had a good, had a good half year because i 2021 season didn't count. And I had coach Mooney hit me up and say, give me your top three schools and I'll try my best to get them in because you deserve that. And I said, appreciate it. Here you go. I got this, this and Goldie Beacon. And it was like, Goldie Beacons is my number one. I, I've been looking into them online. Their, their team's really good. You know, they have good energy.
0: He said, all right, I'll get
1: into it in contact with them right now. And then about a month later he said, yep, the head coach is interested. And Here's his number and started conversation conversating with him had a really good year at Middlesex um Middlesex the baseball team in general really humbled me as a as a baseball player taught me that you can't be this guy who thinks that you're this all all being god you have to be the guy that helps others you have to be the guy that consistently is making others better while you're making yourself better as well so that year was great last year was awesome broke a couple of school records on along the way, nothing, I don't want to, you, you can elaborate, you can give yourself some credit. I ended up getting, I only say I had 63 stolen bases last year. That was awesome. That's the only cool thing, (laughs) but yeah, got, got my way in the Goldie Beacom. And, uh, in that, that quarantine 2020 year, I told myself, I want to go to a school that I want, that I chose myself and where I know I can play and, and help others along the way. Found Goldie Beacom, went there, and now that I'm here, I'm I'm doing exactly what I told myself I was doing, and I didn't understand that anything is possible if you just believe in yourself. Exactly. Right. And I didn't understand that up until everything fell apart. And my favorite quote now is, "It's got to fall apart to fall into place," because you're gonna have to learn this one way or another. And if you think you're this perfect person, you're never gonna learn. So Middlesex taught me that so much, um, and Goldie Beacom going into it. Now i having my first fall there. It's teaching me a lot in general, just staying in that maturity, always being consistent, always being dedicated and devoted to this one thing of your life that you want. And, and this is where we are now. <laughs> yeah. Less for it all. <laughs>
0: yeah, no doubt. I, your perspective is, is incredible because to be an 18, 19 year old kid that gets on campus for the first time, like that's a struggle that everybody at the college baseball level or college athletics in general probably has but for you to be able to get on here and speak on that and say just like how impactful that was like and to be able to go ahead and turn it into something that's positive something that you could learn from and kind Mm -hmm. of grow from is really important I mean obviously you know we hear all the time in sports that success isn't linear right And like you're saying Mm -hmm. sometimes things got to fall apart to fall back in together into into a better place Mm -hmm. so To be able to provide that perspective, I know my first semester at Rutgers, I went from a 4.0 GPA in high school. My first semester at Rutgers was the same way. I was like, oh, I don't have any parents around. I can do whatever Mm -hmm. I want. 2-2 right away in my first semester. Mm -hmm. And, you know, awesome support staff, awesome academic advisors there where it was like, take a couple summer classes. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But. That wake-up call for me was like, "Holy cow, like this is real life now." Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to get hit hard by that and to to say, "Okay, listen, I gotta," there's a lot of people who would have put their head in the sand and said, "That's it. Like mm-hmm. this is this is all that's meant for me." And for mm-hmm. you to have the the confidence and the wherewithal to say, "No, I can pick myself up off the mat here," like that's something that's got to be inspirational to young guys going through similar things now. And then it's interesting because. As much as we're on the other side of COVID now and we don't want to talk about it anymore just because it was totally, it was a tough part of life that we all had to deal with there. Yeah, insane. But in all the conversations I've had so far on here, we've talked about COVID and guys have given perspective about how if your mindset was correct, we were able to derive some benefit from it. So I think, you know, as much as, yeah, everything shut down and we got a quarantine and we're stuck at home and we can't operate normally Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago now, you're able to sit there and say, okay, this is really good for me and I'm going to be able to kind of look at myself and figure out where I got to get better mm-hmm. and then apply that to life as it goes on now where we're, we're back into the swing exactly. of things. And you were able personally to grow up a lot in that, in that setting and say, listen, Absolutely. like I get some – see the silver lining and say I get some time to myself to kind of figure out where I need to be and how I'm going to be as successful as I know I can be. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean – the display you put on at Middlesex was insane, right? 63 stolen. How many games did you play? Like 40 and you I got 63 bags?
1: 50, 54. Yeah. Well, so a lot I mean, of, a lot of games, you're right? at like
0: one and a half bags a game. Like yeah. that's a crazy <laughs> clip. Right. And then you give yourself an opportunity to to go to Goldie Beacom now and just be in a, in a back at the D2 level and in a setup where, you know, you can succeed. And I think there's a lot that goes on these days on the front end where kids are like, I'm going to work really hard in high school so that I can post this commitment mm-hmm. and get a bunch of likes on Instagram mm-hmm. and wear the gear and come back in the wintertime. Right. What a lot of guys won't end up seeing is like those struggles that kids go through their first couple semesters in college where you got to get the lay of the land. You have to figure out the independence. And Absolutely. I think as much as some guys' stories will be, I got hit hard academically, but I figured it out. I had some help along the way. Like your story paints the same picture. It's the same roadmap. Yeah. It's just that you got hit in the face. You figured out, by coming home that you had to get yourself up off the mat Mm -hmm. and you were able to put a plan together to say, listen, I'm going to get back to the heights. I know I can reach Mm -hmm. the criteria that each guy goes through to, to fit that story is a little bit different. Right. And I think knowing you personally for as long as I have, it's like, man, like Chich is going to be really good once these things fall into place for him. So I'm super happy for you that you're in a place now where, where things are starting to get back on the, get it back on the right path. And I think too, if people listening can look at it objectively and say, I got to get ahead of this stuff so that, you know, adversity is going to happen, but how do I mitigate that adversity? You found a way to get through some deep stuff Mm -hmm. and come back on the right side of it on the other end. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what type of advice would you give to somebody who's a senior in high school, maybe a freshman, they're in their freshman fall in college now, to make sure that things can run as smoothly as possible going through the rest of their career.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest advice I would give is definitely take some time to understand who you are as a person, how you work, not even just in baseball or in any sport, just how you function in general. Do you work well with a lot of people? Do you work well with a small group of people? Like, how is your way in school? Do you like being in groups? Do you like being alone? Do you like, you kind of have to dissect your life, like as, as you are as a person, before you know what exactly it is you want. And I never I never did that in high school. I just wanted to play baseball. That's the right. only thing I cared about. And then going into college, it was like, okay, maybe there are some things I need to fix. And some things I want to really work on and change before I get to where I am right now. So I would say definitely take your time. If you don't know what you want to do and you're still in high school, you're still a senior in high school, go to a junior college. Uh, that was probably the best option I could have had for myself. That gives you the time to grow as an as a human being, grow as a student, grow as an athlete. It, it gives you that that extra two years to take that deep breath if you need it, if you're not good at school, to say, okay, this is a time where I can kind of learn about myself and learn how I work. And first year of junior college, and I'll get a, a little idea, and then after that second year, I have a full idea. And you have a full plan, and you full, fully let it go into its force. But uh, God, being how my story was – It would just take your time don't don't fall into a hype don't don't try to put yourself into a spotlight and be that cool guy because that's what i did my whole high school life and it got me nowhere it was just it was a waste of my time like it got me cool friends and popularity when i was in high school but going out of it i didn't do anything to work on who i was as a person because all i cared about was what other people thought about me so love yourself basically just learn who you are grow as you are as a person know what you want or at least have a small idea of what you love to do and just follow it. Just be your person. Just believe in yourself. Amen.
0: Amen. (laughs) And I think for you to, for you to sit here now and say like, we can find these positives through all that stuff. Mm -hmm. if We take some time. Like that's like super, super impressive to sit here and say like, the growth you've been able to to have and the things you've been able to realize just Mm -hmm. kind of taking that step back and saying like here's what here's what i want here's what i need to get there and then this is how i'm going to accomplish it and correct me if i'm wrong like how but does there is there some application there to like granted we can talk about it from an athletics point of view where it's like i'm going to ball out because i want to get this college scholarship and i want to get to the next level Mm -hmm. but does that is there also an application there to like making sure i have you know the rest of my life figured out and I still got to go hard in the classroom because a lot of guys that end up there either are bounce back stories like you, where you're trying to get yourself back on the right path, Mm -hmm. or there are guys who might've had opportunities to play NCAA ball out of high school, but they didn't have the grades for it. So how does that like grind and go all out mentality
1: apply to the other aspects of life other than just on the field? Yeah. I I mainly, my main goal to go back to a Juco from uh, SNHU was to get my grades up. I wanted to actually see if I could be a student. Because in high school, I really just coasted on by. I really gave no effort into my ability to do any type of academics. So going into Middlesex, I, I had that mission that, all right, I, I want to get a little over three o 3.0 GPA. I want to I test myself. I want to set a goal for myself scholastically because I've never done that before. I've been able to say, I want 20 hits this season. I want 30 stolen bags this season. But I've never been able to do that with school. Right. So that's that gave me the time to test myself and learn how I work. And I learned that I like smaller classes. I don't like big 300, 200 lectures. I like I like to have that teacher interact with me. I like to have kids so I can like, look over and talk to them and know I can talk to them every, the whole semester, you know? So that taught me my style of learning, taught me what I want to learn in too, because I knew I wanted to stay in sports with my job, but I didn't know what I could do with sports in the job, you know? Right. So it gave me the choice of, knowing that I could do, I could do marketing in sports. I could do management in sports, training, anything. And so I I learned after uh, uh, going into Goldie Beacon that they had a sports management program and a lot of the kids on the baseball team are also sports management majors. So I was like, okay, going into this new school, I have these new kids that I can this group of kids that I can just feed off of and they can teach me stuff about the same major, which I wouldn't have thought about which I didn't think about at all at SNHU. I didn't really care to think about whose major is what and what kids are doing, and like learning and what's like the biggest major in that school. When I learned at Goldie Beacom, that a lot of kids are sports management. and That's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to surround myself with kids with the same interests. Right. And I didn't do it all at SNHU, but yeah. I wouldn't have known that without Middlesex that kind of taught me and gave me that understanding and the time to figure all that out.
0: Of course. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think
0: when it comes to, you know, it's always, quote unquote, the recruiting process. But when it comes to picking a school, I know the conversation I had with Hondo a couple of days ago was about how you have to find a place that you want as much as they want you. Exactly. And what gets missed a lot there is like, I think a lot of guys trying to pick a college will think, oh, like it looks really sick that I'm going to this school and the coach gave me an offer. I want them. They want me. Boom. It's a fit. Right. But then you talk about all these factors you're naming, they, you get to rip through them so quickly because they seem like second nature now. It's right. like, what kind yeah. of class size do I want? What kind of guys do I want to be around? What type of living situation do I want? Big mm-hmm. campus or small campus? Mm-hmm. I mean, you rip through them all. I don't have to repeat them, but the point is there's all these factors that have to be taken into consideration, Absolutely. not only to pick a school, but also to succeed there. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that puts a bow on everything where it's like, again this the, the route to success is not linear and we're super pumped for you that you found your way back to a point <laughs> where, where you're gonna you're gonna be able to succeed both on and off the field here and just to see like we can we can pull the trigger really quickly when our recruiting process goes fast out of high school and then realize later on that there's some stuff we got there's some other factors there that we got to work on to make sure we're a well-rounded individual Mm -hmm. not just a high-level athlete Mm -hmm. and then you know if we can put all those pieces together which i think is where you're at now where the things are starting to fit right in the puzzle Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. you can sit here with a smile on your face and confidence about what the springtime is going to look like and say we're going to go We're going to go ball out on the field because I don't have to worry about my academics. I know Mm -hmm. I'm good there. I know where I stand individually. I'm in the right Mm headspace. When we can check all those boxes off, then we can get back to falling into baseball and saying, I just get to go have fun and ball out on the field because the rest of my stuff is taken care of
1: once you have all that little stuff taken care of it just baseball is glorified with ball. you're just playing with your friends again you're amen. going out in the backyard it's the amen same thing.
0: Oh, and that's an that's an awesome way to kind of put a wrap on this and just to say like when we can have a have a sure footing and a confident foundation with the rest of the factors in our life mm-hmm. the baseball part gets to be as fun as it should Absolutely. be so chich i really appreciate you coming on with me today this man it's been awesome it's been fun. awesome chopping it up and having this conversation so before we wrap up um, plug yourself on social medias. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people now that want to see your playlist and see those, uh, those Spotify <laughs> shout outs. So tell the people where they can reach you.
1: Uh, yeah. Instagram is Chich C H I C H underscore patrillo three. Um, that's basically all I'm on. I have a Twitter, but I don't really post much on the Twitter. You know, just search up Chich, you'll probably find me. I have a different name. My real name's Christian, but yeah, Chich Patrillo three. That's mainly it. <laughs> yeah, uh, give
0: Chich a follow on Instagram. You'll get to check out these tattoos he's talking about. You'll get to you'll get to listen to some of this music that he's plugging for his playlist and uh, and a good follow. Chich again. Uh, I guess I should have brought up at the beginning of the show that Christian's the the name on yeah, your birth yeah. certificate, but I, I don't know if anybody's other no than uh, other than your mom Christian. has called you Christian. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, again, man, I can't thank you enough for hopping on. Um, awesome to see your journey so far. Pumped for you to be to be in a position now where we're excited to see you go ball out in the springtime and uh, continue to steal bags and put balls in the gap at the at the college level. So for Chich Patrillo and for the Green Grass and White Bases podcast, I'm your host Eric Reardon. We're signing off.
1: Ooh. It's
0: one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game.